Good morning, and welcome to the Yeti Holdings third quarter 2022 earnings conference call. All participants will be in a listen-only mode today. Should you need any assistance during the call, please signal a conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To ask a question, you may press star, then one, on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, please press star, then two. Please note that this event is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to Tom Shaw, Vice President, Investor Relations. Please go ahead, sir. Good morning, and thanks for joining us to discuss Yeti Holdings' third quarter 2022 results. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that some of the statements that we make today on this call may be considered forward-looking, and such forward-looking statements are subject to various risks and uncertainties that could cause our actual results to differ materially from these statements. For more information, please refer to the risk factors detailed in our most recently filed Form 10-Q and the Form 8-K filed with the SEC today. We undertake no obligation to revise or update any forward-looking statements made today as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, except as required by law. During our call today, we'll be discussing certain non-GAAP measures pertaining to completed fiscal periods. Reconciliations of these non-GAAP measures to their most directly comparable GAAP measures are included in this morning's press release, as well as in the supplemental reconciliation, both of which are available in the Investor Relations section of our website at yeti.com. We use non-GAAP measures as the lead in some of our financial discussions, as we believe they more accurately represent the true operational performance and underlying results of our business. Today's call will be led by Matt Reinches, President and CEO, and Mike McMullen, Interim CFO. Following our prepared remarks, we'll open the call for your questions. And now, I'd like to turn the call over to Matt. Thanks, Tom, and good morning. To start the call today, I would like to focus on the excellent execution during the quarter and outline how we are positioned to grow over the important Q4 holiday period. I'll then give some color on each of our four strategic growth priorities that remain central to our continued success in 2022 and beyond. Looking at the third quarter, Yeti posted a 20% sales increase, underscoring the ongoing strength of the brand as well as the unique power and importance of our omni-channel approach. We saw very balanced sell-in and sell-through at wholesale, inclusive of some earlier-than-planned shipments to support inventory at retail ahead of the holidays. Our direct-to-consumer business was highlighted by strong customer retention and acquisition across our DTC channel. And we saw excellent international contribution from what is still a relatively young part of our business. As we look forward, our current view of the second half and full-year revenue remains consistent and intact from our prior outlook. As seen throughout the year, gross and operating margins remain strong, even with significant headwinds partially offset by ongoing expense discipline. Importantly, we are increasingly optimistic on gross margin tailwinds building in 2023. We expect this will help support margin expansion and investment in future growth. As Mike will cover, we made good progress on the inventory management front as we balance order flow against lowering transit times to drive working capital efficiency going into next year. As we head into the final stretch of the year and plan for the holiday season, we recognize a heightened level of uncertainty persists across the market. As consumers make purchase decisions in this environment, we will continue doing what we do best, stoking the brand and delivering product innovation. Our goal remains focused on winning this season's gifting occasions. We have a great lineup of product and brand activities we're deploying towards these efforts. The 
Innovation Foundation for the quarter has already been laid, capping one of our most expansive innovation years for Yeti. Included are the completion of our full-channel rollout of our two flagship soft coolers, extensions of the successful Camino Tote, our two newest wheeled coolers, the recent debut of our new straw-lid Rambler drinkware, and this week's introduction of Yeti's first lightweight bottle, Yonder. We will show these products through our unique and diverse marketing channels to engage both new and existing customers throughout the quarter and into 2023. This includes expanding the reach of our brand through our fall Yeti Dispatch Magalog, dropping in homes next week, special finds in our seasonal gear garage during Black Friday week, and activating our holiday brand campaign, Use Your Gifts. Our overarching holiday message underscores the value, versatility, and desirability of Yeti products. Now to our strategic growth priorities. Continuing to expand our brand and audiences while also connecting with our customers remains central to our growth agenda. We are focused on cultivating deep engagement opportunities across our existing customer base as we see untapped opportunity for the discovery of our product assortment and our customization capabilities. These efforts are magnified when we target newer consumer communities as we establish awareness and consideration. This has been the essence of our breadth and depth strategy, which we brought to life in distinctly Yeti ways during the third quarter. Starting with our social media, we expanded our popular packed social series of how-to videos that inform and educate customers on the functionality of our products. The campaign spotlights the broad range of our offering, including our Camino totes, our roadie hard coolers, and our crossroads duffels, and provides tangible examples of their versatility for a variety of activities and adventures. The brand also showed up big in college football at the matchup between the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Texas Longhorns, showing another great example of how Yeti can seamlessly integrate brand and product in a real way. This effort was anchored by our new roadie wheeled coolers, positioned as the perfect tailgate companion. We invited one of our ambassadors, Matt Pittman, the founder of Meat Church, to smoke a mix of Texas and Alabama barbecue to share with fans and the college game day crew. Finally, we spotlighted our collegiate customization business to drive engagement across our digital channels. Perhaps most importantly, and in a return to normal, this campaign showed the ongoing power of Yeti products as we continue gathering with our friends and family at events that were disrupted throughout the pandemic. I want to highlight what an incredible quarter it was for some of our newer Yeti ambassadors. Australian surfer Stephanie Gilmore won her eighth WSL world title in Southern California. She stands alone as the most decorated female athlete in professional surfing. Another Aussie, Tia Claire Toomey, won her sixth consecutive World's Fittest Woman title at the CrossFit Games in Wisconsin, becoming the first person to claim that many titles. Finally, we were thrilled to add Nora Vasconcelos as the Yeti's first female skate ambassador. I want to recognize our Major League Soccer partner, Austin FC, who in their second season made the MLS Western Conference Finals. As the official jersey sponsor of Austin FC, Yeti received exposure on national broadcasts on ESPN and ABC over three consecutive weekends, culminating in the Western Conference Finals on October 30th. As we continue to broaden our 13 passion-based active communities, we will foster deep and broad relationships, which is the unique power behind how we build and expand this brand. On the product side, our third quarter results are highlighted by innovation, strong inventory flow, and demand dynamics across our cooler business, 
driving the overall CNE category up 25% for the period. Our end stocks continue to improve across our core Tundra hard coolers, which were particularly depleted in the wholesale channel last year. Our latest soft coolers, the M30 tote and the M20 backpack, continue to resonate with customers and have just recently become fully assorted in the wholesale channel. The new Rody 48 and 60 wheeled hard coolers have captured strong early reviews from both the trade and consumer. Full distribution is still ramping. All in all, we are in the best product position since before the pandemic, with a deep assortment of both existing and new innovation. We believe this well positions the brand to not only capture holiday demand, but to also drive growth and expansion into 2023. Our limited expansion of Yeti bags and wholesale continued in the quarter as we've debuted our product across nearly 100 doors since the summer. Early results are positive, and we will continue to look at strategically increasing doors for the balance of the year with additional opportunities building into 2023. Our drinkware business grew 17% during the quarter, with strong trends continuing across our bottles business and our travel mugs. Our new innovation builds upon this momentum, starting with the new Rambler 25-ounce and 35-ounce straw-lid mugs that were launched in DTC in late October. And just this week, Yeti added a new non-insulated product to our drinkware business with the debut of our first lighter weight yonder bottle. Over the years, we have received feedback from our ambassadors and customers that weight can matter more than thermal performance when exploring deep in the wild. We have worked hard to develop a line of drinkware that would be both lighter than our core offerings while retaining Yeti's superior durability and performance qualities to truly disrupt the marketplace. Ultimately, the team delivered a highly durable product punctuated with a great carry and drinking experience. Launched in two sizes and four colors, Yonder creates an additional way for Yeti to be part of daily life. And as we move into 2023, customers will be able to customize their bottles with full color printing options available on Yeti.com. Our channel strategy is designed to effectively match the customer with a great experience when and where they choose to find our brand. That's the objective of a true omni-channel approach, and we're seeing this dynamic play out now more than ever. As expected, as we rebalanced inventory across our channels, wholesale growth outpaced DTC growth for the second straight quarter and drove our first $200 million quarter for the channel. We saw excellent sell-through trends during the period, supported by much healthier in-stock positions relative to last year. As we have seen historically, our brand performs best in this channel when we are in stock and our product is merchandised well. We continue to work closely with our key wholesale partners to optimize delivery and the customer experience. During our Q2 call, we indicated that growth in our DTC channel would be driven by a strong recovery in our Amazon business. Amazon faced a similarly limited inventory position as wholesale last year. We also saw strong ongoing momentum within corporate sales and Yeti-owned stores. As we think about measuring the reach of DTC, we are increasingly looking at total acquisition and retention trends across the direct consumer channel. A holistic look across our e-commerce, Amazon, and Yeti-owned stores showed healthy acquisition growth compared to last year. This dynamic is consistent with the rebalancing of demand we are seeing across our omni-channel, leading to 20% overall top-line growth. We remain pleased with the level of retention we are seeing across DTC, particularly Yeti.com, as well as the underlying quality of those transactions. As we head into 2023 with a more normalized inventory position, 
we are taking a fresh look at the roles and scope of each part of our omni-channel to ensure that we are amplifying and differentiating to drive accelerated growth for the long term. Looking at a few of the details across DTC, Amazon's recovery was demand-driven and anticipated given the inventory normalization following last year's Yeti inventory allocation decisions. We will continue to balance a strengthened fulfilled by Amazon position and supplement with fulfilled by merchant to help drive improved year-over-year execution throughout the holidays. Strong demand in corporate sales continues as the brand resonates across a wide range of accounts, including B2B, collegiate, and hospitality. Increased customization capacity should help service demand over the holidays and into 2023. Yeti-owned stores continue to drive a pinnacle Yeti experience with a heightened focus on localization, merchandising, and service. We opened our 12th location in South Lake, Texas earlier this quarter and will add one additional destination later this month, located just south of Los Angeles and El Segundo. We continue to expect an accelerated pace of Yeti store openings starting in 2023, as these become increasingly valued for brand exposure, product consideration, and purchase. Taking the Yeti story globally remains one of our biggest opportunities, and we continue to make excellent progress in the third quarter, despite unabated tensions in the global, political, and economic environment. Our international sales grew 60%, representing our highest quarterly growth in the past year, and realized a Yeti-high 13% sales mix. Growth was once again well-balanced across our three primary regions. Performance in Canada echoed many of the channel trends experienced in the U.S., with strong wholesale performance coupled with robust DTC growth despite relatively softer e-commerce trends. We continue to make progress with several key wholesale accounts while also investing in merchandising initiatives as in-stocks improve. On the DTC side, growth was supported by the launch of Fulfilled by Merchant on Amazon to drive greater depth and breadth of assortment to local customers. Australia's performance remains outstanding, continuing to exceed expectations with balanced strength across channels. Our local Father's Day campaign was particularly successful, building up to the early September holiday, including our largest online day to date for the country. In addition, we launched updated versions of our e-commerce sites in both Australia and New Zealand. As we look at Europe, I was fortunate to spend some time in several markets in the UK and Europe during the quarter, seeing and hearing firsthand how the brand is making a strong impression with customers across their active lifestyle pursuits. While we're being mindful of the clear pressures across the region, we are delivering on our near-term financial expectations with the actions needed to build a lasting brand foundation. This effort included very successful consumer-focused participation and brand building in our most extensive series of local events to date across the UK. Additionally, we continue to add select wholesale dollars across the UK and European region, surpassing 800 total locations during the period, with nearly half of this year's openings in our focus markets of the UK and Germany. We have a tremendous opportunity to build a sizable business across Europe, and we'll continue to utilize and localize our playbook to drive the brand in future global locations. Finally, I want to express my thanks to our recently departed CFO, Paul Carboni. Paul is an incredible partner of mine, helping bring this company public and navigate many dynamic environments the past four years. I'm excited for him as he returns to Boston and is able to spend more time with his family. As we continue our active search for our next CFO, we are incredibly fortunate to have a seasoned, capable, and strong leader in Mike McMullen as interim CFO. Mike has been a key partner to me leading our finance team for nearly seven years, and I'm excited to have him step into the role. 
In closing, it's important to take a step back and impress upon where we stand today. Growing top line 20% in Q3 and 19% year-to-date in this environment is a testament to both the hard work and execution of our team and the unwavering passion for the brand from our customers. Consumers are still discovering the breadth and depth of our product lineup. They're giving us permission to bring more high-quality offerings to market to meet their needs, and they're waiting for our brand to reach them across global channels. Profitability remains strong, but has been challenged this year by market-driven headwinds. But we do see many of these turning to tailwinds as we move towards 2023. As we work through the near-term noise, our focus on driving strong top line and strong margins while investing in growth to build upon our momentum. And finally, we are resolute in maintaining a healthy balance sheet, which we see as an asset that creates flexibility and one that strengthens as we work down the inventory pressures driven by supply chain costs. As we think through the working capital opportunity in the near term, we believe the business is set up once again for strong cash flow in 2023. And with that, I will now pass the call over to Mike. Thanks, Matt. I'll begin with a detailed review of the third quarter, followed by our outlook for the year. We will then open the call for your questions. Third quarter sales increased 20% to $433.6 million compared to $362.6 million in the prior year period. This growth came in above our expectations for the period and was modestly ahead of the 18% growth achieved during the first half of the year. Approximately two points of sales upside came from increased orders in the wholesale channel, given both strong sell-through and our partners' efforts to reach more optimal inventory levels earlier ahead of the holiday season. From a channel perspective, wholesale sales increased 25% to $206.2 million compared to $165.5 million last year. Our wholesale performance was driven by strong results in coolers and equipment, primarily given improved inventory positioning in the channel, as well as ongoing demand for both soft and hard coolers. Bags also contributed to growth as a larger portfolio of products continues to be introduced to consumers through the channel. Direct-to-consumer sales grew 15% to $227.4 million, compared to $197.1 million in the same period last year. Direct-to-consumer performance included a healthy return to growth in our Amazon business and was supported by strength in the drinkware category. Our corporate sales business also continued to perform well, posting solid growth on top of strong performance in the year-ago period. By category, coolers and equipment sales increased 25% to $185.7 million compared to $149 million during the same period last year. Soft coolers remained a standout, including robust omni-channel demand for our new Hopper M20 backpack and M30 tote offerings, as well as solid performance across our flip and day trip product lines. Inventory of core hard coolers continued to get healthier across our distribution network, supporting the strong sell-through that we are seeing. This category is also benefiting from the recent launches of our two roadie wheeled coolers, which continue to expand across wholesale in the current quarter. Growth in our bags business was supported by the new Panga colorway and ongoing traction across our Crossroads line. Drinkware sales increased 17% to $239 million 
compared to $205 million last year. As Matt highlighted, our momentum was sustained in bottles, travel mugs, and the straw cup. We also saw growth contributions from our lowball, where we are retiring our current offering to make way for future product updates, and jugs, where we have expanded our color and customization options this year. As we have consistently seen, the customer's ability to customize their Yeti products remains an important driver and differentiator for the brand. Internationally, sales grew 60% to $56.5 million compared to $35.2 million in the prior year quarter, representing approximately 13% of total sales and a new high for Yeti. For the period, we experienced strong, balanced growth across Canada, Australia, and Europe. Gross profit increased 7% to $222.4 million, or 51.3% of sales, compared to $207 million, or 57.1% of sales, in the same period last year. As we have seen in recent quarters, the year-over-year contraction was primarily driven by a 490 basis point impact from higher inbound freight. Additional headwinds included 150 basis points from higher product costs, 70 basis points from unfavorable foreign currency exchange rates, 20 basis points from unfavorable channel and product mix, and 20 basis points from all other impacts. These headwinds were partially offset by 170 basis points from pricing actions. Adjusted SG&A expenses for the quarter increased 12% to $149.1 million, or 34.4% of sales, compared to $132.8 million, or 36.6% of sales, in the same period last year. Non-variable expenses decreased 360 basis points as a percent of sales, primarily driven by strong top-line growth and disciplined spending. Variable expenses increased 140 basis points as a percent of sales, primarily reflecting higher distribution and logistics costs, as well as higher Amazon marketplace fees. Adjusted operating income decreased 1% to $73.3 million, or 16.9% of sales, compared to $74.2 million, or 20.5% of sales during the same period last year. Our effective tax rate was 23.7% during the quarter compared to 20.5% in last year's third quarter, with a higher rate reflecting a discrete income tax benefit in the prior year period. <clears throat> Adjusted net income decreased 6% to $54.7 million, or $0.63 cents per diluted share, compared to $58 million, or $0.65 cents per diluted share in the prior year period. Turning to our balance sheet, we ended the third quarter with $77.8 million in cash compared to $259.3 million in the year-ago period. Similar to prior quarters, the lower cash position primarily reflects the completion of the share repurchase during the first quarter, as well as ongoing investments in working capital. Inventory increased 65% to $439.4 million compared to $266 million during the same quarter last year and down approximately $50 million sequentially. Excluding the impact of capitalized freight, inventory grew approximately 45% year-over-year to $330 million.
inclusive of the mix of our inventory shifting to coolers and equipment units from drinkware, total inventory units grew 17% across these two main product categories. Total debt, excluding unamortized deferred financing fees and finance leases, was $95.6 million compared to $118.1 million at the end of last year's third quarter. During the quarter, we made principal payments of $5.6 million. Now turning to our fiscal 2022 outlook. We now expect full-year sales to increase approximately 16% compared to fiscal 2021. This level is at the midpoint of our prior outlook and normalizes some of the timing dynamics between the third and fourth quarters. For the full year, we continue to expect coolers and equipment growth to outpace drinkware, while channel growth to be balanced between D2C and wholesale. With gross margins, we now expect the full year rate to be approximately 52.5%, also at the midpoint of the prior outlook range of 52% to 53%. Looking at margin components, higher inbound freight is expected to impact gross margin by approximately 500 basis points, driving the majority of the overall year-over-year decline. On a positive note, ocean rates across our primary shipping lanes continue to decline sharply from peak levels, which is expected to be a source of margin recovery moving into 2023. The extent and timing of this recovery will be dependent on working through the current higher cost inventory on the balance sheet and the levels of anticipated lower cost inventory receipts. Our expectations have improved somewhat for combined input costs and GSP duties this year, where we now see approximately 130 basis points of headwind. Other margin impacts inclusive of foreign currency exchange rates are now expected to be about an 80 basis point drag, largely reflecting the adverse impact of the strengthening U.S. dollar on international sales. Partially offsetting these headwinds, we see our pricing action this year adding approximately 180 basis points, a level consistent with what we have seen the prior two quarters. With these gross margin pressures, we have remained disciplined with our adjusted SG&A spending throughout the year, though still expect to end the year with low double-digit growth. Led by the continuation of higher distribution and logistics costs and the impact of Amazon marketplace fees, we expect fourth-quarter variable SG&A expenses to grow faster than sales. Our larger non-variable expense bucket is planned to grow below the rate of sales in the fourth quarter as we continue to thoughtfully prioritize expenses. Overall, we expect to achieve an adjusted operating margin of approximately 17% for the year. This compares to our prior range of between 17% and 17.5% and incorporates our updated views of ongoing supply chain pressures greater FX headwinds, and channel mix shift. Below the operating line, we continue to expect full-year interest expense of approximately $4.6 million and an effective tax rate of approximately 24.6%. Based on full-year diluted shares outstanding of approximately $87.3 million, we now expect adjusted earnings per diluted share of approximately $2.36 
compared to $2.60 in fiscal 2021. For capital expenditures, we now expect approximately $50 million of spending for the year, which is below our prior outlook of $60 million as we have shifted the timing of certain capacity investments. I also want to provide an update on inventory. As we indicated last quarter, we continue to actively monitor and manage our purchase orders to better match demand. In addition, transit times have begun to decline with in-transit inventory ticking down sequentially to approximately 28% of our total inventory. Thus, we now expect year-end inventories to be below our prior outlook and modestly below third quarter levels. To reiterate, the overall composition and quality of our inventory remains in great shape, supported by a higher mix of newer or recently constrained products, which, like the vast majority of our portfolio, carry multi-year shelf lives and are anticipated to have strong sales vitality. In summary, we executed well in the third quarter, keeping us on track to deliver within the ranges of our previous full-year outlook. In this operating environment, we believe our outlook provides a balanced look at our positioning and strategy heading into the peak holiday season. Moreover, our confidence looking ahead to 2023 is supported by our ongoing ability to drive sustained demand for the brand, the increasing signs of release from recent cost pressures, and an anticipated return to strong cash flow generation. I would now like to turn the call back over to the operator to take your questions. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. If at any time your question has been addressed or you would like to withdraw your question, please press star then two. We ask that you please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. At this time, we will pause just momentarily to assemble the roster. And our first question here will come from Robbie Ohms with Bank of America. Please go ahead. Oh, hey, good morning, and um, thanks for taking my question. Um, Matt, I think, um, you know, just the, the first question is, uh, can can you talk about, uh, you know, what, what you're seeing, if anything's changed from sort of your commentary last quarter about, you know, the casual customer? And, you know, how are you, what are you seeing from the customer heading into holiday here? And then I have a follow-up. Morning, Robbie. Uh, thanks for the question. You know, I think as we progress through the second quarter uh, in the third quarter, what we saw was uh, really good strength from our customer. And as we said on the call, I mean, with 20% top line growth, uh, good growth across our channels, uh, really strong performance in wholesale. You know, I think our our consumer continues to to show up and continues to. Um, recognize our innovation, continues to desire the brand. And so, you know, as we look forward into Q4, that's that's kind of the objective is to keep getting products uh, in our channels, fully distributed, uh, both DTC and wholesale, get in front of the customer, tell great brand stories. And it's been a recipe for success for us uh, for many years and, and many Q4s, and, and that's what we're, we're aiming towards. So I wouldn't call out any uh, dynamic we've seen change among our uh, among our customer, and I think Q3 is a testament to that. Gotcha. That's helpful. And then just two two follow-ups um, or clarifications. So the 
in, how did drinkware do in wholesale in the third quarter? It sounded like, you know, coolers and equipment was really strong within wholesale. Like, was drinkware positive in the third quarter wholesale? Yeah, I think the when you saw the, the coolers equipment we called out, that was the uh, piece of our business that had the most inventory challenge in 2021. Um, so as we rebuilt that inventory and then um, and then focused on uh, getting merchandise and getting sold through, we like how the entire assortment is performing um, from a consumer perspective. The rebuild of inventory, getting the, the shelves merchandised, as we had said at the beginning of the year, was going to be uh, disproportionately focused on the coolers and equipment side of the business. And then just last one, the, the Fulfilled by a Merchant on Amazon launch, can you just walk us through the, the timing of that and, and how significant of a benefit that's been to sales? Yeah, and Robbie, we had uh, FBA and FBM active in the U.S. And you know, last year when uh, there were some challenges getting inventory into the Amazon uh, marketplace, we pivoted to more Fulfilled by Merchant. So that's, that's been part of the run rate of what we've had in the U.S., where we added it was in Canada, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't call it out, uh, but for we think it's another channel for us to access uh, leveraging our inventory and the inventory in our control to address uh, consumer demand. So it's uh, it's just an evolution of our Canadian uh, Amazon marketplace strategy. Our next question will come from Peter Benedict with Baird. Please go ahead. Mr. Benedict, your line is live. Sorry about that. I was on mute. Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, first question, just on uh, the expected flow uh, of these easing supply chain pressures over the next several quarters. I know, as you mentioned, it's going to depend on uh, sell-through and, and some other factors, but I don't know how you would frame it, um, but how, how might it look if, if next year is a, a, a revenue growth year that maybe is within your algorithm? Uh, or how does it look if, let's say, revenues are flat next year? Um, just trying to better understand the timing and the flow of that under some different scenarios. Hey, Peter, good morning, and, and thanks for the question. So, you know, when we get to the end of the year and we give an outlook, uh, our traditional outlook, we'll be able to give more color. Um, I would say, though, that, um, you know, we do expect um, as – you know, like we mentioned, the container rates are, are have come down significantly, and you know we do expect that to be a tailwind as we head into to FY23 in terms of the 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 timing of, of how much and when and which quarter. Uh, you know, not going to get into that too specifically now, other than to say we're uh, we we do like what we see in terms of the opportunity there, and uh, as we head into 23. Okay, understood. Um, Curious if you talk a little bit more about maybe what you're seeing on Yeti.com, what the trends are there, and some of the other uh, DTC channels were called out as, as, as being strong. Just curious what's going on at Yeti.com, and, and and also just around the promotional environment. You know, and you guys have uh, have kind of stayed above that, but uh, just what's going on from a promotional expect, uh, perspective uh, in and around your category. Thanks, Peter. Good morning. Uh, no, I'll, I'll hit both those. You know, on the on the DTC business. Uh, we feel great about where our, our DTC business is, and and then you step back up and you talk about 20% growth and the commentary we made and we said from the very beginning we believe in a strong omni-channel business and if you walk from the 20 down to the strength we had at wholesale, the strength we had at DTC, 
uh, within the components, as we said at the beginning of the year, some pieces of our business we expected to perform uh, stronger versus others because of operational decisions and inventory uh, availability decisions we made in 2021. Uh, I think wholesale's benefited from that this year. We called out in Q2. We expected Amazon to benefit uh, from that in Q3. Our, our B2B business, corporate sales business, continues to perform very well, and our stores perform well. I think the thing that was the biggest beneficiary of those operational uh, inventory placement decisions we made in 21 was Yeti.com. So the thing that we're seeing on Yeti.com that uh, we really like is that our retention uh, continues to be very strong after two very big acquisition years in that channel in 2020 and 2021, and the reactivation we're seeing of older cohorts of customers. So Yeti.com, while it is the channel that uh, – is performing very strong from a retention perspective. It's probably the channel that most uh, has the risk of the inventory being redistributed among our among our envelope. So, you know, we feel great about how the Omni channel is performing. We feel great about the role Yeti.com plays. Uh, we think we've rebalanced our inventory and redistributed our demand to where consumers are. And as we go into 2023, we would expect uh, D2C to continue to be a strong performer. We expect a strong contribution from wholesale. And we expect Yeti.com to be our flagship. And our next question will come from Randy Koenig with Jeffries. Please go ahead. Hey, Matt. Um, maybe you could give us a little bit of a, a history lesson uh, on innovation and how that innovation has, you know, traditionally you know, been a catalyst for new customer uh, growth and existing customers uh, like myself to reactivate, as you just said, because, you know, I just bought the new straw uh, you know, Rambler, uh, maybe give us maybe some quali quali on a quali qualified basis and quantify it on how that innovation historically around new products, product categories and colors has been that catalyst and how do you think about that, you know, as a catalyst for growth into 2023 and beyond? Maybe give us a little bit of perspective. Yeah, thanks, Randy. I, I think uh, innovations, uh, critically important to us and it's been at the heart of it's been at the heart of the evolution of the business but is is as you know having been part of the story for a while um one of the things we do is uh, that i think we've done well is we launch innovation and then it performs in the market uh for a for, for quite some time some of our best performing products uh today we launched their uh, original and the tundra 45 in 2018 and the rambler ton 20 in 2014 um, excuse me, 2008 and 2014. So we like to put great innovation out there. We like to stoke it with great brand, and then we like to build around it. So if you watch the evolution in our drinkware portfolio over the last eight years, we've gone from two SKUs uh, to an assortment of different of different products, from a couple early tumblers uh, to a full assortment of, of bottles, uh, tumblers, um, and, and I think you'll continue to see that. And what it allows us to do is both reactivate existing customers, but also reach new customers. And then you layer on top of that a strategy around how we use color. And we use color both as a way to, to reactivate and reengage um, our most ardent fans and go out and tell stories to, to new customers and is, is an acquisition point. I think you've seen it this year as we've evolved our soft coolers, brought in our second-generation backpack cooler. That's been a wonderful product for going and addressing customers who may not have had the, the distinct need for the traditional Yeti Tundra, but a backpack cooler is uh, a wonderful complement for getting out and about. 
As you think about our drinkware expansion, even as recently as this week with, uh, with our first uh, Yonder bottle, lightweight bottle, it expands the use cases, it expands uh, the audience that we can address, it creates another use case environment for a customer, it gives us more reasons to be in a consumer life. And I think that philosophy of how we built out is it's, it's methodical and thoughtful with uh, enough innovation where we're also stoking our existing portfolio plus, uh, plus the new innovation. Super helpful. I guess my last question, maybe for Mike, you gave us a lot, of, you ticked off a, a, a number of gross margin headwinds and, and you ticked off the, uh, the pricing that was beneficial to gross margin. Can you maybe just dig a little deeper and, and again, we don't have to get quantify it, but just really talk to it, uh, as we kind of think about, uh, 2023 and beyond, uh, just maybe give us some perspective on how we should be thinking a little bit more on, on on that freight cost side of thing, things, uh, side of it, where we know the costs are coming down, when those start to come through. Uh, product costs, are we done with those uh, as being a headwind going forward? FX, we can, we can skip. Uh, channel seems like it might be a beneficial, uh, in, uh, could be in 2023. And then maybe give us some perspective, maybe, uh, Matt on pricing for next year. Just give us that perspective would be helpful just as we think through high level of how the gross margin can kind of, you know, it looks like it's going to get better next year, but just give us some perspective on those different buckets so we can think through them, if not quantified, but qualify them uh, into next year and thinking through them for the uh, the buy side and the sell side. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Randy, thank thank you for the question. So, I mean, you, you listed them. I, I'd, I'd say, you know, obviously inbound has been the major driver of the decline we've seen this year, but – you know, with the significant rate uh, drop in rates that we've seen, you know, we we do like we said, we do expect that to be a, a tailwind as we go into to next year. How much and when? I think you know we'll be able to give a lot more color when we get to our uh, Q4 earnings call. Product cogs um, also an impact this year, uh, as you could see from the color we gave from last quarter to this quarter. Those have gotten a little bit better, so things have, have sort of stabilized there. You know, where they go from here, I think, is, um, you know, we'll need to sort through. And, again, we'll give a little more color at, at year end. Um, FX has been the one that, that has um, seems to have gotten a little bit worse quarter over quarter. Um, but to your point, where, where that goes, I think, is, um, is obviously to be determined. Um, channel mix, not you know, didn't see much of an impact this year for the full year, just given that wholesale and D2C are growing uh, pretty consistently. But, as we've seen in prior years and as we've messaged about, you know, um, about the future, our, our long-term growth, our goal is to grow D2C faster than wholesale, and we would expect to see, um, you know, a margin benefit at the, as that continues to happen. And for the pricing benefit, I'll turn it over to Matt. Yeah, Randy, on the, on the pricing, uh, we, don't, we don't use, as you know, uh, pricing uh, as a lever. Uh, we very sparingly very sparingly use that. We like where our products are priced. Uh, we like the consistency of our pricing. We think that's a good consumer experience. You know, I think as you, uh, to some of the questions earlier around the promotional environment, we, it's a highly promotional environment right now. Uh, Yeti has retained being uh, uh, above that, as someone mentioned earlier, and consistent with ways we've priced and, and we've promoted before. Uh, what we're using this environment right now to do is to drive uh, some transition of some products to bring in new innovation. It has the double benefit of uh, some of the inventory we carry today is at a higher uh, higher level because of the supply chain costs than some of the innovation that we have coming. And so we're using this sort of unique 
point in time to, to leverage our traditional approach to product transition, um, maybe accelerate a couple things and, and get some stuff into the market as we go into 2023. And our next question here will come from Sharon Zakfia with William Blair. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Sorry for my, my voice. I'm, I'm battling a little bit of something here. Um, you know, I guess I'm curious. There's, there's definitely a thesis on Wall Street that Yeti's benefited from pull forward in demand. Um, you've clearly been doing well all year on the top line. But, Matt, as you look into kind of 23, what are your indicators on whether you can kind of hold to that long-term held um, you know, goal for 10 to 15% revenue growth. And I guess secondarily, my follow-up would be on the um, brand awareness. I was a little bit surprised to see that plateau in the deck in 22 versus 21. Just any commentary on how you think the effectiveness of marketing is, is progressing and what you think led to kind of that plateauing? Morning, Sharon. You know, when it comes to the, the, the thesis that you mentioned, I, I would say it's a little bit of a head-scratcher to us because uh, we've been a consistent grower uh, year after year uh, for, for a number of years within – well, within the ranges that, that you're talking about and above. Um, and, you know, we've, we've talked through the pandemic moment in time uh, where we grew through that disruption. We were growing at similar rates uh, pre-pandemic uh, on the other side of it. Uh, we've had a we've had a great uh, year uh, through the first three quarters this year. So as we look forward and you look at the drivers of our growth, the continued expansion of our product portfolios, both in drinkware and coolers and equipment, the uh, continued growth that we're seeing in our in our U.S. business, which is our most established business, the outsized growth we're seeing uh, globally, e even amidst uh, some markets around the globe that are that are significantly disrupted right now and the relatively untapped opportunity there. So when we look across our growth algorithm and our growth vectors, it's, uh, we believe, as intact as it was uh, back in 2018 when we first talked about uh, talked publicly about where we we're going to take this business. And over the last four years, I think we've shown that that formula works. Expand the product portfolio, expand the reach of the brand, expand the global in nature, and drive a strong digital business. And, um, and that really has evolved to a strong omnichannel business. So you know, we feel we feel good about about where this business is, where it's going, and what the opportunities in front of it. Um, and and frankly, we've gone through a number of different uh, market backdrops and environments, and we found uh, ways to be successful in in each one of those challenges. You know, I think that um, when you think about the brand awareness, you know, unaided brand awareness that you're referring to, uh, we put that one data point out there. We obviously look at a lot of different data points, including um, slices of unaided awareness slices of aided awareness. Uh, we look at the absolute performance of the business. Uh, we look at owner studies and, and brand studies. That one data point for us um, is interesting. You know, the only thing that we can uh, sort of pin that um, moderation in unaided awareness, uh, because it's sort of nonsensical that the business has grown geographically, uh, that we've had the strength we've had, that we've reached new consumers, that that would step down, is that during that 20 and 2021 period when the world was a little more disrupted and people were in front of uh, screens at a higher frequency and rate, is that maybe there was a top-of-mind awareness uh, change. So uh, we look at it as interesting. Um, we look across the rest of our data points and continue to see the, the, the really positive signals for where the, uh, where the business's brand is going, where the business and brand are going. 
And it ties back to the, the growth algorithm and the growth thesis. Okay, thank you. And our next question will come from Joe Altobello with Raymond James. Please go ahead. Thanks. Hey, guys. Good morning. Um, I guess the first question for Matt, you, know, you talked about um, uh, throughout this, this call, you know, improved customer acquisition trends in the quarter. You talked about the improvements in Amazon Marketplace. And maybe I missed it, so I apologize. But was there anything specific that you think drove those improvements in the quarter? Hi, Joe. Nothing that we would point to specifically. Um, I would say it's been a few things that we've done throughout history is as we uh, tell great brand stories and bring brand campaigns, as we launch uh, new products, as awareness of new product and innovation continues, um, as kind of people become aware of where they can actually access that product or learn about it, we tend to see some, some, some changes in, in acquisition. I would say you know, the Amazon, um, we called out that it was demand-driven growth. Um, you know, that's a, that's a channel where we own the inventory. We don't recognize the sale until it sells through. So it's, it's pure demand-driven growth. I think the ability to have product out in front of consumers where consumers want to shop is as important as ever. And I think that's one of the powers of this brand is the balance of our omni-channel, the strength and importance of our wholesale partnerships, the strength and importance of the reach of the Amazon marketplace, uh, the power of, of Yeti.com, uh, the power of having our own uh, Yeti stores, and then complemented with the, the corporate sales and B2B business. So I, I think that is, um, I think that's one of the, the, the strengths of Yeti and what drives uh, the acquisition and I think ultimately drives retention. Got it. Maybe a follow-up on, on market share. Have you seen any, any uh, indication that consumers are trading down in either, in, in either coolers or, or drinkware? No, nothing that would indicate trading down. Um, you know, I think you you look at our numbers and you look at the strength and you look at the commentary we had around around sell through um, that supports that uh, supports that strength. You know, I think consumers. I think consumers are discerning. I think when you when you uh, have a brand that has uh, a desire behind it, um, you know, price points become become achievable uh, when you think about a cup at. Thirty or thirty-five dollars, and a cooler at two hundred and fifty or three hundred dollars. They're they're uh, premium in their category, but the product backs it up, and they're achievable. They're achievable price points, and that's why, as we go into these holiday seasons, why we like the giftable nature of Yeti, and why we back that up with our brand and marketing. And our next question will come from Brian Harbor with Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Good morning, guys. Um, Matt, you'd made a comment about something to the effect of taking a fresh look at some of the channels, I think, in in 2023. What what was that kind of referring to? Is is that about where you put inventory? Is it how, about how you promote certain channels? Or, or what, what were you kind of thinking there? Hi, Brian. Great, great question. I would say this, uh, last year and this year were a little interesting from a, an omni-channel perspective for us because in – 2021 in an inventory constrained environment with uh, high demand, we had to make decisions on how uh, distributed we were going to be with our inventory versus how concentrated to, to support the consumer demand. As we came into this year in a better inventory position, and we believe we are uh, and will exit this year at a more balanced, distributed, and available inventory across our omni-channel, what it allows us to do as we go into 2023 is think about the importance and role of each of each channel, and each one has a has a role to play. 
you know, we're continuing to evolve um, the acquisition and retention around Yeti.com. Uh, we're continuing to look at uh, making sure that we have the right assortment available uh, on the Amazon marketplace. Um, in wholesale, we continue to focus with our incredible wholesale partners on merchandising and assortment planning and making sure that Yeti shows up in the way uh, they would want in the way the way we would want. So I wouldn't call it out as uh, radical changes in our philosophy. It's more we're now back into a position where we have full strength and we can then apply uh, our marketing, our merchandising, our brand building on top of it. I think the one call out we said was the continued uh, rollout of Yeti uh, owned stores. That's been a wonderful, uh, wonderful run to date. We have, we'll have 13 stores by the end of this year. Uh, they're great brand beacons. Uh, they change the assortment that a consumer considers. Uh, so they, they work the entire funnel from consideration all the way through to purchase. And we think it also benefits uh, our Omni channel. Okay, thanks. And maybe to that point, just a question on CapEx. Um, is, is some of this just timing where these capacity investments will shift from this year to next year? And then, you know, are you going to put more CapEx towards stores if you're going to accelerate that as we think about next year and beyond? Yeah, hey, Brian. So I, in terms of your first question, um, Yes, it, it's purely timing. I mean, as we looked at what our needs were and we refined what we needed to spend this year to meet um, to meet demand versus next year, we just shifted the timing to to to, to next year. So, um, so yes. And then the second question on stores, I, I you know, it is a piece of of our capex today. It's not the biggest piece. The biggest pieces are around product and capacity and technology. Um, but you know, obviously, as the number increases next year, uh, that will go up. But I, I think we'll we'll still manage within a, a relatively consistent envelope of capex. And you may see stores go up a little bit, but others go down as we you know feel like we've you know we're at capacity levels or we have the technology projects that we need. So, but don't really see a huge spike in the overall dollar um, going forward. And our next question will come from John Curtin with Cowan. Please go ahead. Good morning, Matt. Mike, thanks for taking my question. So, Mike, can you talk to the working capital opportunity and how can how this can be balanced with growth and also margin expansion next year? Do you think you're going to hold structurally higher levels of inventory going forward or that terms can improve here back to, you know, pre, pre-COVID levels? Thanks. Yeah, hey John. Um thanks for the question. So, uh, here's what I'd say. Um you know, so first we we were happy with our ability to manage inventory in Q3 versus Q2 with it stepping down about 50 million dollars. Um we do think that will continue to come down in Q4. And as we look um you know, into 2023, we think inventory can be a a a meaningful source of cash for us. And I think the, the, the big opportunity is, is transit times come down. I think you'll see that portion of our inventory come down um, in a material way. So, And I think that will help drive some, some free cash flow. I think the second thing I'd call out on working capital, and, and, and that's really been the impact this year, is, is our payables balance. So um, as we looked at uh, our purchases and, and, and what we needed to place this year, and, and uh, you know, we just – we refine that that assumption around payables, and that's and that's and that's really what's what's um, 
kind of led to the, the lower free cash flow number that we've seen this year. But we also think that that could be a, uh, a meaningful source of cash next year as we start to as we start to start to buy into uh, to more inventory. Not only is there going to be a P&L um, benefit for us, but also a, a free cash flow benefit. Got it. Thanks. And then, and Matt, you talked to accelerated store openings. Can you talk to how this part of the DTC efforts rank uh, in growth opportunities and if this is changing in your mind, you know, what the right footprint is for the total Yeti store base? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, John. You know, a couple things. It's still it's still 13 stores, and it's still a relatively uh, small piece of our DTC and small piece of our overall. Uh, but as we've talked about in the past, our stores are, are productive and they're they're accretive to the business, and that's the focus. Is we want productive and accretive uh, stores, which is what drives the pacing of of how many, how fast. You know, as we as we think about what we talked about. Uh, Pre 2019, we talked about four to six uh, stores a year. You know, this year we'll, we'll round out our 13th store. Um, getting back, we're, we're building out the capabilities and the team and the pace and the, the support to be able to uh, get back on that pace and, and maybe look at some some acceleration on that. Um, but at the end of the day, the focus in our D2C business is really the, the build up and strengthen of our of our e-commerce and our dot coms and. That's really that investment we're making and continue to make in our advanced analytics um, to understand uh, consumer behaviors, to understand uh, buying behaviors. And that's that's where I would say um, the disproportionate focus among our DTC. Uh, we make sure we optimize our Amazon marketplace. Uh, we've got a heavy focus on our corporate sales, uh, B2B opportunities. We continue to see that uh, domestically and globally uh, as a great uh, way to introduce the brand. But the the key focus is on is on our dot coms and then uh, really ramping uh, ramping the store contribution the store connectivity uh, to the to the overall digital uh, DTC piece. And our next question will come from Brooke Roach with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Hi, this is Evan on for Brooke. Thanks for taking our question. <clears throat> um, I was just wondering if you could dive a little deeper into. Um, wholesale trends you're seeing, um, sell-in versus sell-through, and then if you've had any conversations with your partners, maybe you could touch on spring, the spring order book outlet um, today. Thanks, Evan. You know, we uh, I think we'll, we reiterate what we said um, on the call and in the in the release, which is we saw strong sell-in coupled with strong sell-through, which was. Uh, Great demand uh, in our in our wholesale partners, and it's it's a testament to how our product shows up. It's a testament to our partnerships. It's a testament to to the brand and the desirability of it, and that's really what we're focusing on as we go into Q4 and get into this important uh, holiday season. So uh, that continues to be an important channel for us, and it continues to be a channel that uh, that those partnerships get get deeper and, and more rich and more more productive. Um, you know, as we think about order books, uh, it's not really a, something we talk kind of forward order book. Uh, Yeti, Yeti is an always on, uh, an always on brand and, and always on the floor. So we have constant conversations with our partners about uh, what the next uh, month, what the next quarter, what the next year looks like. Um, you know, I think we'll have a more refined view as we wrap through this important holiday season. And as Mike said, uh, get our outlook uh, to 2023 and, and talk more fully about that. But um, I will say we are, we're deep into the planning process um, as we 
present our innovation roadmap, as we present our supply availability roadmap to our wholesale partners um, and start to think forward to 2023. Our next question will come from Kamil Gajwawala with Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Hi, guys. Good uh, good morning. Um, can you talk a little bit about marketing and how the marketing strategy might be uh, changing or evolving, given that inventory now is in, you know, a bit of a better place? But at the same time, um, some of what you said earlier about the value of a, you know, a $30 product as a gift, um, we've seen some other companies with similarly superior products kind of focusing a little bit more on that value message as opposed to a uh, we're premium message. I'm just curious if uh, you're making any similar sorts of changes given the environment we might be going into. Yeah, thank, thanks for the question. It's a great, um, it's a great point and a, and a great call out. I would say one of the things that we've always focused on is uh, the balance between brand marketing, product marketing uh, consideration, and then all the way down the funnel to, to conversion or purchase. Um, you know, our head of marketing, uh, our chief commercial officer, spend a lot of time balancing those dollars between uh, brand and, and performance. And, and there's a really, I think you'll see that play out in the fourth quarter, uh, a really nice intersection between that. If you look at our holiday campaign uh, to the point on value, our holiday campaigns uh, all based around use your gifts and the versatility of our products and that we really want people to get out and uh, put the products to the test and put them to the test in active outdoor um, pursuits. And so that you'll see that theme play through all the way down uh, to ultimately the, the more direct performance marketing, more direct conversion. But building into that, the value is really wrapped up in the versatility, the quality, the performance of the product and versus uh, value being a price-driven uh, value tool. Thank you. And this concludes our question and answer session. I'd like to turn the call back over to Matt Reintjes for any closing remarks. Thanks, everyone, for the time this morning. Look forward to uh, speaking with you as we wrap up the fourth quarter and, uh, and look towards 2023. The conference has now concluded. Thank you for attending today's presentation. You may now disconnect your lines.